Welcome to Co-Independent Couple. I'm Barn. And I'm Shay. And today we are going over the 36 questions that make you fall in love. The research behind the fire experiment. Also, I want to give credits. So what credits is due. This is um, an article by Kelly Gonzalez. Uh, thank you for the questions and let's begin. Question number one. Given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? Um, I probably would have said Neil Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I haven't thought about that very much. Anyone in the world? Probably Gordon Ramsay. Why Gordon Ramsay? Because he'll probably judge the food that we're eating. <laughs> and it'll probably be the most interesting conversation just about food. And he and I have that in common. <laughs> That's true. You're both very judgy about your food. <laughs> um, number two. Would you like to be famous? In what way? Um, I mean, I'd have to say yes. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way. But whereas, like, I... You know, especially with, like, my crypto podcast and in, in in a positive way that, like, because I share, because I share so much, you know, already with what I'm doing in crypto, how I used to teach karate, um, yeah, I just want people to, I mean... Kind of. I just really want to leave like a positive impact on the world. And if the people who remember me remember me for that, then I'll I'll feel good. Um, for me, you already know I don't care too much about being famous on social media or like anything like that. I do think like I do love singing, but I'm not very confident in that. So the one choice left that I want to be famous uh, is to like be famous for helping people like my dream is to become a doctor like I'm going to become a doctor and I want to be famous through saving lives and I don't really care I don't really care much about it but if that that's what I could be famous for is ultimately saving people's lives um, before making a telephone call, by the way, this is question number three. Before making a telephone call, do you ever rehearse what you are going to say and why? Um, yes, but very little. Bullet, bullet points in my head about topics I want to go over. That's about it. Usually I'm very improv in the moment. Yeah, you're very good at that. For me, if it's not an important phone call, then no. I have like two categories. Is it important? Is it not? <laughs> and if it if it is, then yes. If it's not, then no. Like I'm just comfortable being who I am and saying what I need to say over the phone. Um, number four. What would constitute a perfect day for you? Can I go first? Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about this. I can tell. Uh, um, a perfect day for me is like getting close to like Christmas time, especially like just like right around December. 
like I just want to light up candles having like dim lights my Christmas lights like on and just wearing pajamas just open the window having it super cold in my room and just have like three layers of blankets on me turning on a Netflix movie maybe Christmas maybe not definitely pine tree smell Christmas whatever flavored candle <laughs> lit up yeah and then just not having to worry about a thing no work no homework that's my perfect day I think that's how I feel when we're on vacation <laughs> like no worries we can just go where we want before we've already budgeted for what we're doing we go to eat watch a show Basically traveling. Basically traveling with you. Hmm. I guess I should have said with you by my side, but I was <laughs> <laughs> I was too caught up in the moment. That's the independent part. <laughs> um, okay. Number five. When did you last sing to yourself or to someone else? About thirty minutes ago. About this afternoon when we were doing homework in the coffee shop. Uh, number six, if you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? I feel like this is, a, this is one of those uh, genie in a bottle questions. It's like, um, whichever one you choose, then you automatically lose the other. That's how I see I see this as like an ultimatum. It's not just like, oh, you can retain the body of a 30-year-old and then do whatever you can to not lose your mindset. I see it like... Just make it you, simple. Just make it simple. Like, you don't have to worry about that. Like, for me... No, I feel like I do. <laughs> and that's probably the 90-year-old version of you. <laughs> I would choose to, like, to keep the 90-year-old mind. You mean the 30-year-old mind? 90-year-old mind. Well, unless... If we're talking about... We're not being... In no, no, no. You have, to, you have to choose body or mind. I want to choose the 30-year-old body and the 90-year-old mind. And then at 32, you get Alzheimer's. You forget everything. <laughs> but I still look good. <laughs> I'm like, I'll keep the mind just okay. to make sure I can remember my decision. Um, number seven. Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? No, but I feel like it's going to take a long time because I used to contemplate my mortality a lot, especially when I was really depressed. And now I have this, now I have this semi-ironic view where I'm like, okay, now I'm going to be cursed to live a long and happy life. <laughs> With me. <laughs> um, I don't think I have a secret hunch about how I will die. I have imagined about how I would die. I have dreamt about like getting shot, but like still surviving. But I've never had a hunch of how I would die. You've had death dreams? Yeah. I've never had death dreams. I didn't die in it though. So I don't think that's death dreams. No, but you just got shot in the dream. Yeah. So no, no secret hunch. If it happens, please make it fast. <laughs> Um, number eight, 
Name three things you and your partner appear to have in common. Uh, I'll go first, okay? My three things for us. Uh, we love anime. Uh, we share almost the same taste in music. And I don't think this is common, but I feel like this is us basically like two pieces of puzzle, but like fitting. It's like when you, when I eat the cupcake, I don't like the frosting, but you eat the frosting and you don't like the cupcake. I don't like the bottom part of the cupcake. Yeah. I only eat the frosting, you <laughs> yeah. only eat the bottom part. That's yeah, just perfect. It's kind of like everything. You go. Um, I love for anime, it's so obvious. <laughs> it's such a cheat. Um... I mean, we're both very stubborn. Yeah. We get. Okay, tell us about the negative. Tell say. us about the negative. Why is <laughs> that? Why does stubborn have to be negative? It's, I guess. It's difficult, no doubt, but that doesn't mean it's negative. But they can negative. also be good. It doesn't mean it's necessarily negative. Okay. I also think. Two. I also think our worldview is very important. I think we both feel like lots of people can complain about their life all they want, but at the end of the day, like, it's the individual's responsibility to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I think we take that into our relationship too, where, like, when we get into a fight, you know, we we don't move on until we've both taken responsibility for our part in it like we've never had a we've never had a fight where we've like where where it's only been one person or the other like we know it's not like it's not yeah we know that that's it not. takes two <laughs> it takes two to tango yeah um and the other one i think ooh very obvious I love for our family. Yeah. I think that's like one of our core values. Like everything we talk about is surrounded. So yeah, uh, has to deal with you know taking care of them and caring for them and visiting them. We both have good relationships with our families and each other's families. Yeah, and I love. I absolutely love that. I'm really fortunate for that. <laughs> Me too. Um, number nine. For what in your life do you feel most grateful? I think we just touched on that. We did. It's yeah. family. It's for sure. And each other. Like, you're my family. That's definitely doesn't have to be, like, a separate a separate thing. Like, it's just family. And friends. Well, I think that's how we already categorized Jason. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no just... need... Eliana, but no need for that. <laughs> no need to separate them. They're just, they're just lumped in. Yeah. Um, number 10. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Do you want to go first? Uh-huh. Um, not about the way that I was raised. Um, but more along the lines, more like my perception of how I was raised, I think would be the only thing it would change. I think I just wish that younger me was a little bit more grateful for what I had because it wasn't, it wasn't bad by any means. You know, my parents worked very hard 
Um, I mean, I think it's most, I think it's most kids, you know, aren't grateful for what they have until they, or for what their parents provided until they get older. But I feel like that would have gone a long way to warding off my more negative feelings and helping me keep perspective on on the things I was grateful for. Um, for me, I don't think I would want anything to change about how I was raised as well. Um, it's more so the fact that I've seen the way my parents raised me change throughout the years. Like, they were very like strict Asian parents like very caring but also like I think that's like it stems from the fear of like danger in the real world and wanting to keep me safe and that's why I stayed home for most of my childhood and teenager years um and then as I turned like took a step in the 20s they become more lenient but that care, that fear is still there. Definitely very, very true to what it is back then as well. Um, but they're definitely more understanding. They're open to, you know, the, what I would call the, mo- the modern way. Or like, I think it would just be like us moving from like Vietnam and then the life here in America, completely different. But we'll touch base, we'll touch base on that later on. Um funny that you say that your parents so relaxed now they're definitely not what you would think of as typical immigrant parents yeah and back then it would just be like they're very don't go anywhere very very progressive kidnappers everywhere (laughs) kidnappers everywhere they're very progressive parents yeah number 12 oh yeah i skipped number 11 but number 12 if you could wake up tomorrow morning having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Laser vision. <laughs> you know Storm from like X-Men? I don't know if that's the name for that character. But like to be able to change weather. And that's just what I want for right now. I can't think of anything else. I don't, I don't think it's superpower. <laughs> I'm, just being, I'm just being facetious. I think... Um, oh yeah, it says quality ability. I was just—we're <laughs> not focused. I was just being goofy. Um, I was thinking one quality. I know. I think a lot about patience. Like I try to have a lot of patience, but sometimes it's very easy to lose it. Um, more of an appreciation for the moment. You know, I get a lot of anxiety and about the future, what's going to happen, and it's kind of irritating to be thinking about and worried about the future, especially since it hasn't happened yet. For me, one quality, I think the thing that I have always told you that I am always actively trying to work on is to like speak without like rambling or like the way that you always improv so 
almost close to perfect with everything that you say like I, I want that I feel like I struggle between like enunciating right and finding the right word to say to describe whatever I want to talk about or what I, whatever I feel in the moment like it's hard for me and I can get insecure so I do want the one ability or like one quality to have is to be like better at just like speaking I don't know. I, don't, I know that doesn't make sense, but... No, it does. I don't think I speak perfectly at all. I think I ramble plenty. I think the big thing for me when it comes to speaking is I'm not... Uh, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not, af- I'm not afraid to go on and talk about... I'm not afraid to go off on a tangent in a weird direction because I always think I... Uh, I kind of find the path in which the, that tangent can relate. I guess isn't the tangent, but that's how it feels to me. Let's go over 11. <laughs> Take four <laughs> minutes and tell your partner your life story in as much detail as possible. We don't need to go four minutes. Maybe, we should, maybe we should do a separate episode for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. That's why I skipped that. Yeah. Okay. Um, we will be going over the rest of the questions. Um, I don't know uh, if if we went over this very well, so I I forget. I'll I'll look up who um, or where this originally came from. But the thirty six questions to fall in love, it was like a research experiment uh, done a couple years ago, um, and it went super viral. Um, I I think I'll, I'll again I'll look it up just to uh, make sure I have my sources correct, but. Uh, from what I remember happening is basically the researchers got strangers to ask these questions together and wanted to see if that would actually spark uh, a relationship, if that would actually spark, uh, you know, uh, romantic feelings between them. Um, And in a lot of cases it did, but in some cases it didn't. And I think what they found was that what these what the questions were good at was getting people to open up and getting people to expose details about your life because every one uh one point about um trust that i've that i've always kept in mind for a long time is that we think that when we do a favor for someone else that it makes them trust us right because, oh, I'm helping you. That means you're going to trust me. When actually it's the opposite. Is when you do a favor for someone else, or when some when you ask someone to do that favor for you, you trust them more because you're asking them and they're fulfilling it. Mm-hmm. But I also have to gain the trust in them. Yeah, it's not, it's not the way you, you, you don't just... When you, when you take it upon yourself to do something for someone else, that's what makes you trust them more because you actually took action in it. And does, I mean, that, that, that's how I view these questions. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's that vulnerability. Yeah. The gate to secrets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. See ya.
All right, welcome back. In this segment, we're going to go over the sharing your life story uh, question, number 11 on the list. Uh, So I did look up uh, where the study actually came from, and I would like to credit uh, Jasmine Lee. Oh my God, I'm going to ruin her last name. Zog... Besu? Oh, her last name was very long. Yeah. Yes. I definitely apologize. I definitely murdered your last name, but I'm so sorry for that. Um, She wrote an article uh, November 5th, 2020, uh, discussing the origins of this uh, questionnaire. Um, And according to her, it was created in 1997 by psychologist Dr. Arthur Aaron. Uh, at the Stony Brook University, New York. So he was testing the intimacy of two strangers, and apparently one of the subject, one of the uh, couple of subjects that he had, um, actually ended up getting married six months after the experiment. Aww. So there you go. There's the origin. A Um, successful story. A successful story for the very first one. Um, But yeah, like I said before, I think this, what this really does is it gets, it it gets both parties um, comfortable being vulnerable with one another. And I think in any relationship, that's, that's what's really important. Um, okay, so let's jump into number 11. And should we set a timer? I'm sure we, yeah. We, well, we got I think we this can look at the timer right Yeah, too. okay. So you get to go first. Okay, great. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> uh, take four minutes, we'll say four minutes or less, <laughs> and tell your partner your life story in as much detail as possible. Okay. Um, I was born in Vietnam uh, in 1997. Um, I grew up just going to school basically seven days a week, uh, five days going to just regular Vietnamese school, and then the weekend I would just go to the English school because my mom um, was confident that either we're going to move to America or that we are going to make sure that I'm super fluent in English and that will help with my future living in Vietnam later on. My parents worked their whole entire life together. My dad uh, used to be a, a welder. He has his own factory and everything, and my mom would basically just be his psychic. <laughs> his secretary, his assistant, I'm not sure, whatever. His VP. <laughs> yeah, and they were extremely successful together. The whole city, the whole district down there know them um, and love them. Um, the school that I went to knew my parents very well because of how much they loved me. <laughs> That's the best thing that I can describe about then. Um, my brother uh, didn't go to school. Um, he actually, my mom actually, my parents took him out of um, what we call school, but it's the school for people with uh, disabilities because they were mistreating him and basically abusing him um, his whole entire childhood. And so it wasn't safe and my parents were extremely upset, so they took him out, kept him safe at home. Uh, we've always had uh, a housekeeper because 
we needed someone to take care of us and mainly my brother and uh, so that my parents can both go to work um, and then I we moved to America when I was 13 it was like I want to say nine days after I turned 13 that we moved to America and we've been here for like 11 years since I went to high school, I went to 8th grade in America, and then I graduated in high school, and then went to the local college, and I didn't meet you until I turned 20, almost 21, yeah, until I almost turned 21. Um, I worked, Starbucks is my first job ever, um, I dropped I transferred, I didn't drop out. <laughs> I transferred from uh, my local college to study with Arizona State University. Um, and I'm actually chasing my dreams, making it come true to become a future surgeon. Yay! And I'm also a Starbucks manager. Um, life's busy. Um, school's crazy, work is crazy. Fun and I actually met you through Starbucks uh, while we were doing volunteering. Something that it's so dear to me because all I want in the future is to be able to give back to people um, and to help people. And so, meeting you through doing volunteering is extremely special to me. Um, so, yeah, I met your parents only a few months later. <laughs> <laughs> After we're dating, you, you met my dad on the first date because <laughs> my tire popped. Um, both guys came to my rescue and then met each other <laughs> on the first date. That was a pretty fun day. Yeah. And I think that was my four minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not okay. Much. Everything leading up to three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I did a really good job with the like, four minutes I had. Yeah, you did. Um, let's see. So I was born in 93. And from what I'm told is we first lived in uh, the house my dad bought in his late 20s in Pollock Pines, which is like up in the mountain, up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, I guess. Um, it, at the time, uh, my dad's house was being foreclosed. Uh, because he owed a lot of money to the bank and was very negative money (laughs) at the time. Uh, And I think after that, we moved to Morgan Hill. That's like the first place I can remember. I think when I was like three or four, we lived in an apartment up in Morgan Hill. Um, let's see, I remember going to daycare. Remember that. I had lots of friends at daycare. Um, my elementary school was like right down the street from the daycare. It was pretty normal. I don't think there was anything that really stood out for me. 
you know, my younger years were very, I was just a content kid, like, all the time. It's, like, the one thing my parents always told me, it's like, and I remember this too. Like I loved Legos. I loved Transformers. Most of my memories are honestly just like hanging out in my room, playing. I was the youngest, you know, with my sisters being six and eight years older than me. Things were always pretty quiet. Like we'd guess. I mean, I would say. Um, let's see. After. There. Oh, yeah, once we moved out of Morgan Hill, um, that's some things, I mean, that I, I remember a lot more, like, when I was, like, five or six, we lived in, like, the townhouse off of, um, Couple and Smell, mm-hmm. we lived right over there, um, it's about the time when my dad's mom died, yeah, that was, um, you know, like, when you're a kid, like, I mean, from a child's perspective, like, a small child, like, a really small child, like, three, four, like, parents are basically, like, God. Mm-hmm. You just have to do everything they say, like, this, like, monstrous, you know, like, power. Um, I remember, like, especially, like, my dad, because he was, like, so loud, and I always, I always remembered him as this scary creature. And, like, this was the first time, you know, I was, like, I think I was six. This was the first time in my life when... I realized, wow, that scary creature can cry. Mm-hmm. I learned that at six. You know, I, I didn't think that he could <laughs> at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely like one of the big memories for me is me just sitting there and you know, sitting with him, just talking about his mom. see after that oh yeah we moved into the into the house next door mm-hmm. the house next door to where his mom lived um that was pretty exciting they've lived there for like the last 21 years now mm-hmm. i think they, they just celebrated 21 22 years in that house um yeah a little bit after that brandon was born that's when I think like I mean my sisters were always around of course but you know like they were bouncing back and forth between our house and their dad's house um when Brandon came along that was like then I really remember you know they wanted to be around a lot more or at least I remember that um yeah I wasn't a particularly good student I was very lazy. I mean, I wasn't stupid. I just really loved, you know, like Animal Planet, Discovery Channel, and Steve Irwin watching The Crocodile Hunter. I remember a lot of that. Uh, I obviously like loved cartoons and anime really young, but my dad always got so mad when he'd see me watching cartoons. He'd be like, "All right, you have to, you have to watch hours and hours of uh, Animal Planet. I want you to see watching one hour of Animal Planet before you watch that." And, like, eventually it got to the point where I just, like, skipped cartoons altogether. And I was just, <laughs> it was, like, hours later he came and he's like, are you still watching Animal Planet? And You're like, this is good. I'm like, it's good. It's what, I, what I've been doing. It was, like, my interest. I was, like, I was a kid that would go outside and, like, flip over rocks to go look <laughs> at the bugs. You know, I'm like, all right, here's my National Ge- Geographic. 
in the yard. Mm. I remember always hanging out with Brandon, you know. I was older brother. He's my little sidekick. Went everywhere together. Um, like 12, 13, that's like when I started doing karate. Um, got Brandon into doing karate, and that was a huge part of my life. That came... I mean, I would say that was like the replacement for... Um, I would say like the recognition that I desired in school but never like actually had the drive to do mm-hmm. you know because I was like I mean everybody told me that they thought I was you know really gifted uh, in martial arts um, but I was just I was just loving it which I mean I guess is like one of the big indicators right when it comes to when it comes to talent yes talented people that actually do their craft you know they they just talk about how much they love it they don't really think about it it was unfortunate that that ended really sour you know that uh the last you know real influence i had there was manipulating the kids to get what he wanted and that was very unfortunate especially since it was such a big part of my life it was so important it was really hard it was really hard for me to overcome that because I think a lot of people they don't know what to do when they come into contact with true malice you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like with somebody that is I don't want to say evil, but is like, is intentionally manipulating others for their own personal gain. It's a hard thing to come with. I'm definitely way over time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's counting? <laughs> the clock. <laughs> um, but after that, that's when I started at Starbucks. You know, my sister was like, you got to do something else. And that was probably, like, the best thing for me because it was just surrounding me with positive people. That's where I met Jason. He was my manager. And, you know, no matter how difficult it was, he didn't know where where I was coming from, but, you know, he always, like, stood by me and kept kept a positive attitude. I think I I told him within the first six months, I was like, we're going to be friends. And he was and like, and then you forcefully make him your friend. <laughs> and he, you know, I was just some, <laughs> I was just some snot-nosed nineteen-year-old kid. You know, like I was giving him problems, crying and cursing on the oh, uh, you in still his do store. That. <laughs> <laughs> giving him lots of trouble, and you know, just like I don't know. I don't think I could describe like how important of an influence he was on me because I think like I went from. I went from experiencing true malice and, you know, a person who wanted to manipulate others to, like... Not in the way that... I mean, no, 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 I went from that to... Oh, no, ma- malice is that? evil. Malice is bad. Yeah. No, no, ma- I went from malice to, like... Jason is literally the exact opposite of that, you know? He just, like... Kind-hearted. He's, he's so kind-hearted. And if there's, any, if there's anybody that I would think is is the closest to being truly selfless, it would be him. Mm-hmm. You know? 
I don't think anybody else comes close. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, just doing Starbucks for years, going in and out of school, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, well, I mean, here we are. Mm-hmm. Still figuring it out. <laughs> well, my story was extra long. Mm-hmm. Instead of four, it makes it ten. <laughs> All right, so that's it. That's the end <laughs> Let's of, end on this note. That's the end of this section. All right, well. Thank, thank you for listening to our stories. And um, leave us a message. We'll see you on the next segment. Yeah.